0: After such a triumphant and meaningful procession, please turn with me now to the reading of God's Word, the Gospel according to Luke, we read at the 19th chapter, beginning at the 28th verse. And when Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphagia and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their garments on the colt, they set Jesus upon it. And as he rode along, they spread their garments on the road, and as he was now drawing near at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace be in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And then when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that even today you knew the things that make for peace, but now they are hid from your eyes. For the day shall come upon you when your enemies will cast up a bank about you and surround you and hem you in on every side and dash you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Amen and amen. God has a plan for every person's life. Every person's life neither you nor I were created by God simply because he had nothing else to do that day nor was he trying to get even with the world or was he just trying to do something no we were created for a purpose you 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 and me every one of us individually created by God in this time of history for a purpose. Now, the contention of the Christian faith is simply this, that you who have been born for a destiny, you who have a purpose of God, and that's why you're living today, you understand the gift of salvation which can be yours through Jesus Christ and you call him the Son of God and the Savior of sin and if you are willing to dedicate and commit yourself to his teachings and follow him as Lord of your life, in due time, God will lead you to that particular destiny or purpose for which you have been created. Spiritually speaking, we call your purpose, your Jerusalem. It's a new It is a term that we use to try to explain to you what we are talking about in spiritual terms. You have a Jerusalem, and I have a Jerusalem. Together we have our individual Jerusalems to reach, and the reason we call them Jerusalems, is that jesus was born to go to jerusalem and it was in jerusalem that he fulfilled the purpose for his creation and met his destiny and if jesus had not gone to jerusalem we would not have salvation as we know it today and the reason for palm sunday is for us to relive the experience of entering a Jerusalem and we look carefully at the scriptural description of how Jesus entered into his Jerusalem because as he entered into his Jerusalem so we can be sure will be the necessary route we will follow to enter into our Jerusalem so we're here today to try to help you to find your Jerusalem and to help you to understand the ramifications, complications and glory that comes when you enter your Jerusalem, your destiny. The first thing we we have read in this scriptural passage which we're going to try to use as an exposition today is that in verses 30 to 36 you get the distinct impression that Jesus entered into his Jerusalem only after careful preparations and precise planning. You can't enter Jerusalem without some organization, without careful planning, precise preparation. We get that from the particular passage concerning Jesus sending his disciples to go and what looks like on the first reading Telling his disciples to steal a young colt. Yes, please remember, these people were alive and real and react very much as do you and I. And if you would get the impression from the reading that Jesus was asking these disciples to steal a donkey, I think you have the wrong impression or do not fully understand. I'm sure if somebody came to your home and saw your automobile parking in the driveway and started to get into your automobile you would say hey where are you going with that car and if they would say the Lord has need of it you wouldn't call a preacher you'd call the policeman and I'm sure the same thing would have happened back in ancient Jerusalem but do you see somehow some way Jesus had made contact with the man who owned the donkey. And he must have said something like this, on Sunday morning, you get that donkey upon which no one has ever sat, and you place it out on the front of your house, attach it to some post, and I will send two people to get it. Yes, but Jesus, how will I know who those two people are? If you see somebody untying the colt, you say unto them, hey, what are you doing? And if they return to you this symbol, this clue, the Lord hath need of it. You can be sure they're my people, but if somebody isn't tying it and does not say the Lord hath need of it, call the police. But meanwhile, those are my people. You see, when you look at this on Palm Sunday and you look at it, what happened on Maundy Thursday when Jesus had another prearranged signal of a man carrying a water pitcher on top of his head. To fully understand that, you have to understand Middle Eastern customs back 2,000 years ago. Men didn't carry water pitchers. But that was a signal, you see, of where Jesus wanted to spend the time of the Last Supper. If his disciples would follow that man, he would lead them to the upper room. Jesus, you see, somehow did not walk into Jerusalem without prior planning, without precise preparation he did it to the utmost of detail the most minute of detail and that's a lesson we have to learn if we're ever going to enter our Jerusalems. I hear many people saying that yes they believe in destiny They believe they've been created for a purpose, but all they really have to do is just pray. Pray that God will lead them every day, and then eventually He will do so, and they shall find the fulfillment of their purpose in living. That's too easy for me, and I personally think it's a cop-out. I think you have to pray, oh my, yes, we've got to ask and seek and knock. We've got to search for direction, but we have to work, too we have to do some precise planning we have to prepare it's not just enough to pray that God will enable you to enter Jerusalem you have to do something on your own part as well I'm reminded of those two little girls who slept in on a sun- on a Monday morning and they were late getting to their bus stop one was a very religious when she said to her sister Let let, let us stop here and kneel down and pray that that God will prevent the bus from getting there on time, or at least giving us enough strength so that we can get there to meet the bus. And her sister says, "Well, that sounds like a good idea." But instead of stopping and getting down and praying, let's pray while we run. That's it. You don't enter your Jerusalem without some preparation, without prayer and without plans. And the church today I think is taking a good look at the idea of leadership and the purpose of organization and the necessity for plans under the direction of the Holy Spirit as to how best individually and corporately we can enter into our Jerusalem. Secondly, and you get this in the first part of the 37th verse, You don't enter into Jerusalem unless you are willing first to descend before you ascend. To understand this point, you have to know something about the topography of, of Jerusalem. Some of you have been there with me. And you know that Jerusalem sits really on the top of three little hills that holy city that city of peace really sits on the top of three little hills and when you arrive at the holy city from the east and you follow the road that is still there the one that goes through Bethphage and and Bethany you come to a Ridge, I call it, the Bible calls it a mountain, anybody that lives in western Pennsylvania, I think calls it a ridge, you come to a ridge which overlooks the Kidron Valley to the opposite hillsides upon which the city of Jerusalem rests. And when you stand over here on the Mount of Olives, how what a great sight it is to be able to look at that walled city that is still there and you see in either the reflection of the sunlight or the moonlight the gold dome of the rock which is the ancient holy place of the moslems and over beyond it you see the top that looks like turrets of the church of the holy sepulcher which now houses the traditional spots that we think jesus was crucified dead and buried and you see these other beautiful old buildings all within the walled city and what a magnificent sight it is but if you're going to get over to the three hills of jerusalem from the mount of olives you have to go down the mount of olives through the kidron valley where now there is the garden of gethsemane the traditional spot upon which all nations church has been built and then you begin to ascend the hillside to jerusalem You can't go up until first you go down. And that's the message God wants us to know about our Jerusalem. You can't get to the top of the hill until you've been to the depths of the valley. And that is a word you and I do not like to hear because we think of Jerusalem only as being on the mountaintop experiences, the love, the joy, and the power we know. But you can't get to the top of the hill until you've gone to the bottom of the valley. You have to go through the experiences of the valley of decision, the valley of disappointment, the valley of depression, the valley of death. And I have yet to see anyone come to Jerusalem without first going into the valley. You can't get there without going down into the valley. You have to descend before you can ascend. And thirdly, verses 38, 37, and 38, tell us that you can't come into Jerusalem without an acceptance of applause now that's tough because applause is something that every one of us wants and very few know what to do with <laughs> applause is something we all want acclaim recognition but once we get it it's hard to live with We have a tendency to either overemphasize or underemphasize applause and acclaim. The next time somebody pats you on the back for doing a job well, or you are the recipient of the applause of several hundred people, watch your reaction. Most of the times, you want to crawl under the table, or you want to hush it. We are people who have a difficult time accepting applause. I know people who go out and pay a high price for an expensive piece of cloth, take it to the best tailor or seamstress, have that person work painstakingly and and accurately on making that thing just fit right. And you take it then to the presser, and then you bring it home and you decide when would be the best time to wear it for the first. And then after a long time of preparation, you bring it out and you wear it, and somebody says, My, isn't that beautiful? And you reply, Oh, it's really nothing. (laughs) Applause. Definitely hard to accept, honestly. A Midwestern chap said once, My, what powerful hands Jesus must have had. What do you mean, powerful hands? Well, anybody, anybody who could have driven a donkey down a hillside where people were waving palms and shouting hosannas and keep that donkey from being spooked he must have had great hands and Jesus did they were steady hands and when you go to Jerusalem you have to be steady accepting applause for what it is never underestimating or overestimating and that's hard as is enduring all types of criticism that's another thing verses 39, 38, and thirty nine you have to endure criticism and i'm never quite sure which is easier to accept applause or endure criticism because you don't get to jerusalem without a tremendous amount of critics telling you you're wrong some of the pharisees came up to jesus and said jesus uh, quiet down these people who are applauding you shut them up rebuke them the way the Greek puts it Jesus "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh for even if they were still these very stones would cry out Jesus is one who is able to take criticism and if it was just he corrected what was being criticized if it was out of jealousy or hate or envy or of the forces of evil he had that ability to let it go in one ear and out the other. Hallelujah. I wonder how many people have been prevented from entering their Jerusalem because of human criticism. We like to give up so easily. It's hard for us to take the heat in the kitchen. We crumble under the first bits of adversity. Sometimes we listen far more to the criticism of man than we do the destiny of God. And because of it not only is his kingdom thwarted from coming here on earth but we are prevented from entering our Jerusalem and coming to our destiny. Criticism is tough. It's tough to take without fighting back. It's tough to take without reacting overly. It's tough to take and still keep your eye on Jerusalem. Jesus did it. And Jesus also cried alone. You can't enter into Jerusalem until you've had that experience of crying alone. Verses 40 to 44. Some people were shouting hallelujah. Others were waving palm branches. The Pharisees were saying, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus was crying. He was crying because he realized at that moment that he was an ambassador of God and the people did not recognize his presence. He was crying because he knew he had the peace that Jerusalem wanted. But he knew people would not understand or accept him. He cried because he was God on earth at that moment. And people refused to realize the visitation of the Almighty in Jesus. And he knew that though he was in his Jerusalem, There would be many, many, many people then and now who still would never understand the purpose of his going to Jerusalem. And that's the way it is. There will be people who will never understand your pilgrimage to Jerusalem. There will be people who will not realize that God is working through you there are individuals who will not see the presence of the Almighty in your visitation. There will be those who you will want to serve and have something of God to give unto them. And they'll never recognize it. And that'll make you cry. Every inventor, discoverer, leader, Every person of Christ who's ever gone to his Jerusalem has not only heard the shouts and the criticisms, has made the dissents and the preparation, but has also had to cry alone. One week ago today, one week ago today, seven short days ago, I'm sure Don McClure cried, Don McClure, one of the missionaries of the United Presbyterian Church for over 40 years, a man many of you know and many that you have supported with your individual gifts and through your giving to this church as we have given to the general mission program of the United Presbyterian Church. Forty years ago, Don McClure got the vision that his Jerusalem was Ethiopia and he went as a messenger of God. And for over 40 years, past his time of retirement, he preached and he led people to Jerusalem. And one week ago today, some terrorists came out of the bush, lined him up with members of his family. The other members escaped. Don McClure was shot to death. And I'm sure there was a tear in his eye. For he knew, as Jesus knew 2,000 years ago, that even though he brought the message of salvation, even to the people to whom he brought it, they did not understand the moment of God's visitation in their midst. It's not easy to enter Jerusalem and on this Palm Sunday we commemorate just not an historical day when Jesus triumphantly entered his Jerusalem but we recall again our privilege of being called to a purpose and to examine that purpose on this Palm Sunday you see all of us are on a way to Jerusalem no two of us in the same place in our progression or pilgrimage some are further ahead than others Some don't even know that they have a Jerusalem to go to. I've known people who have been looking for 60 years and because they have not looked at Christ, do not know the way to Jerusalem. But many of you do. You've got a vision that God has His hand upon you and is speaking through you. And all of us today are in some different place of that pilgrimage. Some of us are in the place of preparation, others are in the road of. Descent, some in ascent. Some are receiving the criticism, others the applause. Some of us are crying because the message is not getting through. And some of us are closer to the new Jerusalem than anybody ever knows or could imagine. Father, in this holy week, as we walk through it, with you, help us to remember your promise that where you are, there we shall be also, and because you triumphantly entered into Jerusalem, we shall triumphantly enter into our Jerusalem as well. And now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with our hosannas, our hallelujahs, our pilgrimages, forever and ever. Amen.